Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. on today is coming from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Uh, Thank God that I put this in the notes so you don't have to look for it because if you're not a Bible reader, you've skipped over it several times. It's in the Old Testament. And we find these words, Habakkuk 2 verses 1 through 3. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. One more scripture, and then we're going to open this thing up. Find this one in James, which is in the New Testament. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when, your, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. Eternally gracious God in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity to be uh, a person that shares your word this morning. Thank you for this license to be an ambassador. I pray, O oh God, this morning that I represent you like never before. O oh God, if I find myself stuck on some words, God, speak for me, and I'll be sure to just open my mouth and let it flow. God, bless me this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and, and, the, and the thoughts and considerations of my heart are pure and acceptable unto you. Oh, God, I love you, I honor you, and praise you, and I offer this service to you in Jesus' name. All those who agreed would say amen. How many of you are really getting something from this message, the waiting room? This thing is stretching me like, not like a rubber band, you know, rubber band stretches and it comes back. This thing is stretching me, leaving me out there, bringing me back in. Y'all ever see how they make taffy, how they stretch it and bring it back in, they stretch it and bring it back in. And I feel like I'm that taffy as I'm going through this message. And every time I sit and open up this book called the Bible and, 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 and try to really uh, exegete and study this text more, I'm learning more about me. And so it's, it's been powerful. And I pray that, that this is working for you because here's a fact. Every single one of us is in a waiting room of some sort right now. As you are sitting here today, you are in some sort of waiting room. And the waiting room is the place between where you are now and where you're headed. 
In other words, uh, it may be a small uh, thing that you're waiting on, or it could be a great thing, but we are all in some sort of waiting room in our lives right now. And the thing is, trying to understand how to navigate it so that at the end of the waiting room, I've gained what I needed to gain to get me to the next level. Now, don't be distracted by two things this morning, okay? Do not be distracted by that ladder is there. That is a prop that we're going to use later on. And please don't be distracted by my bow tie because y'all know I don't normally do this. But I will tell y'all what I tell my mentee. I tell him, I says, a gentleman wears a tie, but a distinguished gentleman wears a bow tie. And so today I am a distinguished gentleman with my pastor swag and my bow tie and my blue suede shoes. Okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. My man. My man. So don't be distracted by those two things because what I have to say today is going to take you to another level. Today we're talking about positioning yourself while you're in your waiting room. We want to talk about positioning yourself while you're in your waiting room. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about this text in Habakkuk. Let me tell you what was going on. Habakkuk was a prophet of the times. And so, what was going on is that Judah was getting ready to be taken over by Babylon. Now, the Babylonians, they had decided to take their independence to be an independent nation from uh, Assyria. And so, they were coming in and they were coming strong. They, had, they, they, they were ruthless if you understand the word ruthless, they didn't care. They didn't care about who was in their way, what was in their way. Their, their whole model and idea was to destroy and conquer and take everything they could. And here it is, Judah uh, is going through all of this stuff, and they're worried. They're like, God, why are these people coming? What are you going to do? Help us through this. And so the beginning of Habakkuk, uh, uh, it opens with Habakkuk talking to God and saying, God, why shall we suffer all this long? Why is there so much evil in the world? And why is all of this going on? And then he says, you know what? To make sure that I hear clearly from God, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and I'm going to stay posted until I hear from him because there's so much turmoil in the world. I want to say this, and we're going to open this up a little bit later on. While you are in your waiting room, you are going to be faced with some challenges. There's going to be some muck you're going to go through. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to feel uh, there's going to be some people that's going to turn their back on you. It's going to be a little bit rough while you're in your waiting room, but baby, don't give up, okay? We're going to talk about that in just a minute here. Let's jump right into our notes. While you are positioning yourself right? Positioning yourself requires, number one, silent solitude. Positioning yourself requires silent solitude. Now, you you all do know that there's a difference between regular solitude and silent solitude. So, you can be by yourself, but be around a whole bunch of noise. And sometimes the noise that you're around could be what's going on in the atmosphere, the environment that you're in, or the noise could be the people that you brought into your so-called solitude. You know, sometimes your, your solitude could be noise because of all of the thoughts in your head. Sometimes all of the thoughts and the feelings that you are having on the inside destroy your solitude, and your solitude is loud and not silent. So, it's important when you are positioning yourself in the waiting room to find a place where there is silent solitude. 
If we, if we, if we understand Jesus, he, when he wanted to really hear from his father, he would go sometimes to the garden where it was quiet, and he would step away from the noise so that he could be at peace and be in solitude to hear from his father. We also know that he also went up on a hilltop to be alone, to be away from everybody so that he could hear clearly and audibly from his father the instructions. And now here you have this man by the name of Habakkuk who says, you know what, I'm going to climb up on this uh, mountain, this watchtower here, so that I can hear from the Lord. So here we have in Matthew 14, 23, this is Jesus speaking. And this is after he fed the 5,000. He says these words, after sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself. Well, he didn't say these words. This is what he did. I'm sorry. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And then night fell while he was there alone. He went by himself for some silent solitude. Let me tell you what happened to me in December 2011. September 2011, we made a major transition from the church we were at, and it was a very stressful time for me. And the organization that our former church was a part of decided, well, we're going to send you to do what we call peer mentoring. So they sent me to California, to Los Angeles, so that I could meet with other pastors and they can pour life into me. And I'll be honest with you, I was, I was just in such a fog, I didn't get anything from it. As a matter of fact, the greatest thing I got from my trip to L.A. was hanging out with my cousin, Crystal. And uh, I reached out to her and her husband, and they, 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 they decided to take me up on a mountain. I didn't have hiking boots or anything. I just had some sneakers. And I says, uh, well, tennis shoes for the southern folk. But uh, I decided that I was going to go, and they took me to this place called Runyon Canyon. Do you have a photo there uh, up there? I want to show you all what Runyon Canyon looks like. This is a beautiful uh, mountain. So you climb up. It's about a quarter of a mile up. And a lot of stars go here, and they have, uh, you know, these friendly dog laws where you can have an unleashed dog and stuff. So I climbed up here, and that exact bench I sat upon. Now, if you look here, you can see downtown L.A. But if you look this way, you can see the water. You look all around. You can see the Hollywood sign. I mean, it's gorgeous. It was here for the very first time in this place of silent solitude, sitting on that bench. I'll be honest, it wasn't because it was just peaceful. I was tired. Okay. I'm just pastor confession. I was tired. But in those moments of catching my breath after this quarter of a mile hike up Runyon Canyon, for the first time, God allowed me to see a glimpse of what he had in store for me. You see, I went to L.A. just not knowing what to do. I don't Why am I even going? I'm going to be talking to these pastors. They're going to ask me questions like, what's your vision for the church? But I'm like, I don't know. This, this is new for me. I didn't plan this. This just happened. I was uncomfortable, didn't want to go. And the greatest thing happened to me was me climbing up Runyon Canyon, sitting on that bench. And my cousin sat over there, and I just began to say, thank you, Lord. And I was thanking him because he was giving me breath. But I kept saying it long enough, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, God, you're so wonderful. Why you're so wonderful. And as I begin to praise him, I begin to see what he wanted for us. And for those who know, in April, we had this incredible service, changed our name, started completely over. But the transformation happened right there because God gave me a glimpse. I got into a place of silent solitude so that I could hear and receive clear instructions for what God wanted for me. Some of y'all have to do that. Let's be real. 
Some of y'all have to get to a place where you fast from social media, you fast from television, you fast from people, huh? You fast from some stuff to get to a place of silent solitude, get away from stuff that distracts you so that you can hear clearly from God while you're in your waiting room. See, that's the problem with a lot of us. We take people with us in a waiting room because we don't want to be bored while we're there. Huh? We need to sometimes just cut all that stuff back. You go to, when was the last time you went to a restaurant, they're waiting for their food to be served, and you see everybody, something like this. Me and my wife have a, a rule that when we sit together for dinner, we don't, we don't, we, we keep one cell phone just in case the babysitter has to call us. But that cell phone is not visible. She turns it loud on ringer, and it's her phone. I leave mine in the car. Because there's so many people don't want to be bored while they're waiting, and we do the same thing while we're in this waiting room of sorts called life. We find and bring stuff to distract us and keep us away from the wait so that we're not watching time go by and getting anxious about something. Y'all need to find a place of silent solitude. That's the very first thing you must to do. While you are positioning yourself in the waiting room, you need to find a place of silent solitude. And that's what Habakkuk did when he climbed up there. The other thing I noticed when I was up in Runyon Canyon, on my way up to Runyon Canyon, L.A., if you've never been, and some people are from L.A., it's a busy city. Where this Runyon Canyon is located is in Holly, not, yeah, it's Hollywood Hills area. So it's busy. It's bustling. Everything is going on. People are talking. Dry, cars are driving. They're small. There's so much going on. But while I was up there on top looking down there where all the noise was, I didn't hear it because I was up there close to God. They were down there where the noise and distractions were. I was up here so I can hear clearly from him. Somebody will get that in a minute. Sometimes you have to get a rise above the noise and distractions in your life. Second thing I want to offer to you, my brothers and sisters, is when you are positioning yourself, it requires that you have a focused faith. That's a little bit different, isn't it? We understand you've got to have faith, but you've got to have a focused faith. Well, Pastor B, explain what focused faith is. We find this in Habakkuk 2.1. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And then here's the one I want to get for you. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. Notice he said, he didn't say this. He didn't say, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower, get away from some stuff and try to figure this thing out. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm going to climb up here. Uh, and get away from all the noise, take my notebook and my pad, draw a blueprint on how I'm going to work my way out of this situation. The whole thing about him climbing up there was to rely on the one source that would get him to where he needed to go, and that was the Lord. He climbed up there to be silent and alone with him so he could have his faith focused on the only one who could get him to the next level, the only one who could answer why they were going through the stuff they were going through during this time and why God would choose the Babylonians to, to, to kind of uh, 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 destroy what was going on and start this process over. He needed to understand why. And so he says, I'm going to focus my faith on the one who could really answer my questions. And we need to be focused on that. Here's another thing I want to share with you. We're going to jump over here. I want to go to uh, Habakkuk and share something with you. I thought this was really, really cool. When you focus on your faith, sometimes you got to remember from where you came, right? Sometimes you got to go back to and start thinking about, you know what, when God, when I was in that, that jam, he, 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 he hooked me up. He answered some things for me. Watch this. Habakkuk 3.2. It's not in your notes. 
Tia, you don't need to pull it up. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to share this. You can get it on your own. Write it down. Check it out later on. Habakkuk, after he did what God said to, God says, write down what I'm going to say and make it plain. So after he did all of that, God spoke to him. He wrote down all of that. He finishes, and he says, you know what? I'm going to say this prayer to God. I got to pray to God. Habakkuk 3.2 says this. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, watch this. This is the part. Ooh, I got excited when I read it. Help us again. A focused faith. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Why is this focus? Again tells us it's focus. Again tells us he remembers how God brought him through some other stuff before. Again tells us that he remembers the scriptures that he read uh, in the Old Testament, how God parted the Red Sea. Because if we read a little further, he talks about that in this prayer. He remembers how God did some stuff, but he also remembers that it took faith for those things to happen. So what I'm telling you when I say you need to have a focused faith, when you are a focused faith, when you're in this place of solitude, you need to focus on how God had already done something for you before and he's the same God now that he was back then when he did that. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. A focused faith. A focused faith. The third thing I want to offer to you, my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time here, and it's interesting. The third thing I want to share with you is you must have an assured attitude, an assured attitude. You must have an assured attitude. Habakkuk 2.1 says this, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. He was assured. He said, I'm going to climb up there and I'm going to wait to see how he's going to answer my complaint. Notice this, my brothers and sisters. He didn't say, I'm going to climb up there to see. I'm going to climb up there and wonder. I'm going to climb up there and hope. No, he was assured that by climbing up there and getting to a place of solitude and getting to a place where he was away from distractions and getting to a place where he could focus his faith, that he was surely going to hear from God. He says, I'm going to get up here and wait to see how he's going to answer my complaint because my faith is focused and I'm silent and I know what he did for me before. He's going to answer it again. Now, it may not be the answer that I'm expecting, but he's surely going to answer. Let me see what he says. You must have an assured attitude. I want to say something, and don't laugh at me, okay? Sometimes pastors try to get overly creative, okay? And so I tried that when I was working on this message. I was like, position. And as I thought about position, I thought about pole position. But then I thought about people on this side of the room and how their dirty minds go. I says, I can't do pole position, right? And so then, <laughs> and so then I said, I'm not going to do that because the people on that side might get that and then these people won't understand that used to be a game. Okay, so I says, I'm not that creative. And if I did pole position, I would have to know something about race cars and I don't know enough about it. And so I said, I'm not going to call this message pole position. But I did some research during this process because I was going to do it. 
I did the research to find out about racing, and I've become a fan all of a sudden of NASCAR and all this car racing and Formula One racing. I'm, I'm digging it because of the research I found out about it, but I'm not confident enough to turn it into a sermon, so I didn't do that. But I want to share something with you all that I learned that's pretty powerful. I said early on, while you were in your waiting room, you will be tested. You will be challenged. You will have to go through something. But here's the thing. I learned this in NASCAR and, and all the racing things. They do all of these laps around a circle, and they're going to keep on going. They keep on going. They keep on going. And the goal is to be the first one to get to the last lap and get past the checker. But before they wave the checker flag, they wave this other flag, a white flag. And the white flag lets you know that you got one more lap, and this is your final lap. This is one where you're going to get your best score. But here's what I learned in reading that, and God just hit me with it. And I was like, whoa, that's that's deep, God. Sometimes while we're in that same waiting room and we're going around and around and around, we start to wave our white flag before God waves his and say, you got one more lap, baby. We give up before God has given in. We give up before God has responded the way we wanted to. See, I learned that in NASCAR, so I became a fan because of it. We start waving our white flag of I surrender. I'm tired of going in this circle, and I don't even know what lap we're in. I'm tired of going in this circle, and I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction. I'm tired of going in this circle, God, and I don't even know if you're really going to answer my prayer. I'm tired of going in this circle, God. You know what? I'm just going to kind of pull back on the acceleration just a little bit because I think I've lost. And God's like, no, baby, you got one more lap. Look at my white flag. Give me a little bit more endurance. Give me a little bit more push. Come on now. Put some Red Bull in your system and let's do the doggone thing. Come on, baby. We wave our white flag too long because the weight is too much pressure for us. James tells us this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, dear brothers and sisters, when, not if, what if, perhaps troubles, no, when. That means for sure, assured, it's going to happen. While you're in your waiting room, when you're out of your waiting room, you will face troubles, baby. When, when, when you face troubles, come, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's just for this season. Because you'll have another season where you'll have to do this all over again. But you know what the good news is about it? The good news about it is that after you complete that season, you come out with something better than what you started with, you come out smarter, you come out stronger, you come out with way more wisdom, your endurance is tougher. Before you had like skin like a marshmallow, you were soft, right? But at the end of it, you got skin like leather, and eventually you'll have skin like the man of steel where stuff is thrown at you, it'll just bounce off of you. It'll just bounce off of you, but you got to keep on going through different levels of this while you're in your waiting room. I'm preaching better than y'all responding this morning. Here's something to help you while you're in your waiting room and going through the challenges and stuff. Jeremiah says this. And Jeremiah was, let me tell you what happens in this scripture. This scripture I'm going to share with you. Jeremiah says says, says something. And what's going on in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is prophesying about, you know, God is telling him, hey, I'm going to let, you know, you you guys are going to suffer for about 70 years. Okay? 
you're going to suffer about 70 years. Habakkuk comes toward the end of the 70 years of suffering, right? This is Jeremiah in the beginning when God says, I'm going to have the, you know, the people of Judah suffer for about 70 years. This is what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 29, I love this. Jeremiah 29 says this, 29, 11. For I know the plans I have, I have for you, says the Lord. Okay, well, then what are the plans? Come on, talk to me, talk to me. They are plans for good and not for disaster. In other words, I know it hurts. I know it's uncomfortable. I, I know you're tired. I, I, I know you just, you, you feel like you don't have any more left, but keep on going. I've been working out with Tia. Uh, she's been working Kim and I to death. I think she's been trying to punish us. And I tell you, we, 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 this exercise stuff she has us doing, you get like 10 seconds between each thing you do, each exercise, each routine, and it's not a lot. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, she's trying to kill us. But then you hear this voice that's just on you. Give me one more. Come on, yelling at you. And you're like, come on. You, she yelling at you so much, you start yelling at yourself. Come on, Broderick. You got it, man. I can do one. And you get mad when you can't do the one. You slap in the floor and stuff. But that's God telling you while you're in your waiting room, I know the plans for you. See, Tia knows the plans she has for Kim and I, and that's to get us in a healthy position, a healthy place to build up our endurance. Right now, it hurts like heck. After this workout, man, your arms are going to be sore. You'll probably barely walk, but check me out next month. Then you can thank me, and then I'm going to send you the invoice because what I'm preparing you for, I told you I was going to preach about you, didn't I? What I'm preparing you for is, 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 is all worthwhile, what you're going through, the pain, the suffering. Trust me, you're going to appreciate it later on, baby. You're going to look like a champion by the time you're done. They're going to put a gold plate on your neck and say, you are a winner when you're done, but you've got to go through the process. I told you I was going to preach about you, didn't I? Hallelujah. God says, I know the plans I have for you, and they are for good, not for disaster. He's telling them this right when they're like, he's like, I'm going to make you suffer about 70 years, but it's not for disasters to build up some things, not just for you immediate people, but for generations and generations to come, but you just got to Hold on and wait with me a little while. Fourth and final thing, you must have a willing heart. You must have a willing heart. A, a, another way to say that is you must be obedient while you're in the waiting room. See, while you're in the waiting room, God is going to be speaking to you. He'll be giving you hints. He'll be giving you instruction. You're not just there chilling. You need to be doing. You need to be active. You know, the waiting room is not an opportunity to be passive, but it's a time to be active. And so God will be giving you instructions while you're in the waiting room, but you have to have an obedient and willing heart. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3 says this, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets. See, y'all didn't even know they had iPads and stuff back then. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly. I know that was cheesing. Don't judge me too harshly. I got a bow tie on today. And the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time right there. As soon as the Lord said that to me, I'd be like, well, why, why are we doing this, man? I'm, I'm asking for some results now. Don't tell me. You could have left that part out that it's for a future time. Like, that's one of my complaints when I'm working out with Tia. Don't tell me we got 30 seconds left. Let's just get it done. Because that 30 seconds feel like a minute and 30 seconds. Just hush. Let's just keep it moving. And when it's over, just say we're done. 
30 seconds of them, don't tell me. Let's keep it moving. And here's God saying, write this vision for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. It describes the end of your wait. Write this message now. It describes the end of your wait. It's for a future time. It describes the end. The answer that God gives you may not always be the answer you seek. But here's the question. Will you serve him anyhow? Huh? Will you serve him anyhow? David, I love David, a great man of God. Man listed as a man after God's own heart. David was doing some amazing stuff for God. He was so excited about the kingdoms he was conquering. So he had this great idea. I'm living in these nice uh, accommodations, but I have nowhere to lay the altar for God. So I think I need to build a temple for the ark for God. And so he had this great vision. He prayed about it. He was excited. He was pumped up. But God said, nope, not you. That's cool. I like your vision. I appreciate it. But you, you've broken way too many rules. You got blood on your hands. Tell you what, I want your son to do it. Right there, I'm crushed. I'm like, oh, God, I'm trying to honor you, dude. Really? I mean, my son, who was Solomon, was a kid. He couldn't comprehend what, what God was saying. So, like, you want my kid, this little kid? It would be like God saying, I'm telling God, God, you bless us. I'm going to build this edifice of a building that would honor this community. I'm not going to charge people nothing. We're going to buy it cash. It's going to honor you. We're going to resource it like nobody's business. We're going to have uh, 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 higher education classes. We're going to offer stuff for single moms. I mean, I mean, do it big. And God says, nope, I want Junior to do it. Junior, six years old. I'm going to look at Junior like, Junior, so here's the deal. At some point, you're going to build a church for God. With Legos? We're building blocks. He's not going to comprehend it. And so that's what, that's what God's saying to David. Listen, listen, you're not going to do it. That's cool. Solomon's going to do it. What do you think David did? Did he just chill? Did he fold up his hands and fold up his arms and have a pouting party? No. He resourced the whole doggone thing. He resourced the entire project. He didn't get just regular stuff, building supplies. He got the top of the line. He says, if I'm not going to build it, I'm going to make sure that my son has the stuff that he needs. I'm going to equip him so that the next generation can benefit from it. So sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want right now, it's for your seed to be blessed from it. Somebody will get that in a minute. Somebody will get that in a minute, somebody will get that. Will you serve him anyhow if he doesn't answer the prayers the way you want him to? Y'all looking at this ladder, right? Yeah, don't be distracted by it. I'm just going to bring it out here so y'all can see it. You see, sometimes while we're in our waiting room, the world is chaotic. We're concerned with presidential ratings. We're concerned with the economy. We're concerned with health care. We're concerned with our jobs. We're concerned with all of this stuff that's on this level. 
And it begins to get to a point where this level is so noisy. G-Money, I need you, my brother. This place is so noisy. And so what we have to do is take on the model and example of Habakkuk. See, we've been praying from this level. But what we have to do is climb up here to this level and get up here to the top to this level. And then we got to sit in a place of this level. You see, the watchtowers were designed and built on the edge of cities, right? Why were they built on the edge of cities? So that the watchmen could climb up there and see everything that was coming before it came. What were they seeing? They were able to see two things, the messenger who was bringing good news and also see the enemy who was coming. See, when you high up to this level and you've elevated yourself to be closer to God, you're in a place of silent solitude. See, I can see everything. I can see who's getting ready to come into this building. I can see who's going to leave this building. I can see who just turned down the street over there. I can see everything. My vision has changed. And guess what? I'm just a little bit closer so that I can hear from God. Now, if this was a mountain, y'all could make all the noise you want, and I'd be up here and not hear anything. So the first thing, you got to get to a place of silent solitude. The other thing is you have to have a focused faith. My faith right now is not in Gerald holding this ladder that I'm sitting on top of. My faith is in God, but I trust Gerald. He is watching me. He's going to protect me. My faith is focused on God, but I'm trusting my faith in Gerald to protect me while I'm up here in this place. So I'm in silent solitude. I have a focused faith. And the thing is, I'm going to be assured that by the time I come down here from this high position of where I'm at, I will hear clearly from God. I will hear what I need to hear from Him. I've, I've spent my time with Him. So then I'll climb down because it's a safe place to be. So as I climb down, I know that as I'm coming down, God gave me instructions from the spot up here. I'm going to come down and see what God has in store for me. God says, go to another place, and I'm moving. See, I was up there, and while I was up there, I had a chance to be one-on-one with God. God. He strengthened me. He gave me strength. He gave me wisdom. He gave me knowledge. He made me stronger and more wiser than I was when I went up to this place. Guess what else? Going up here, this ain't a time to be afraid of heights. Because if you're here, you're going to be elevated to some point. The higher you go, the higher you go up. So you can't be afraid of heights. Y'all ain't getting that. I'm not talking about physical heights. You can't be afraid of spiritual heights. See, God is going to elevate you to a place spiritually you've never been before. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel weird. It's going to have your spirit all shaken. You're going to wonder what's going on. This is not natural. You're right. It's supernatural. What God is doing to you on the inside, he's elevating you to a higher level, but you have to get to a place of silent solitude with a focused faith and a short attitude and a willing heart to do what he says to do while you're in your waiting room. Position yourself while you're in the waiting room. Be in a position so when God answers that promotion you've been seeking, you already know what to do because you've positioned yourself You've researched and done what you've had to do. Position yourself 
So when God sends that spouse, that special someone, your rib, if you are a man, or, or your Adam, if you're a woman, you understand what I'm saying? You are ready. You are prepared. You didn't bring any damage or any baggage from your past. You brought something. You, know, you left that old Goodwill stuff, and you're ready with some empty sacks of Louis Vuitton for this new thing that God has in store for me. I'm preaching this morning. Whoa! You need to position yourself. If you're a married couple and you want to have a baby, you need to be in parenting classes before the baby is coming. Before God has physically impregnated you, you need to be there spiritually impregnated so that you can, ooh, 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 that's good. Position yourself. Because here's the thing. If you are not in a position when God blesses you, you won't have the capacity to withstand the doggone blessing. Position yourself while you wait. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.